Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, colleague, and good friend, Zach Milner. Zach, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Crazy, crazy trade deadline yesterday. Um, last couple of days have been crazy, but I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it, so can't complain over here. Yeah, crazy is a really good, uh, a good shout, because I have been, uh, like you, all over the place. Trade deadline just, like, totally sidelined every plan I had to get done work-wise, because... Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, I know every year it feels like we can just be like, oh, this is a crazy trade deadline. But like that to me was the craziest trade deadline since uh, what year was it? When, when was the year that Goran Dragic got traded from the Suns to the, to the Heat? I just remember that trade deadline. There were like, I think there were like 27 trades in one day. It was something wild like that, it felt like. But yeah, I didn't even feel like there were like a crazy amount of trades yesterday, but I just felt like most of the trades that happened has something like, significant in it that was like yeah. oh wow okay that's interesting yeah like every trade seemed to have some kind of weight to it it wasn't just like uh i mean there were there, there were, were minimal couple, yeah. minimal salary dump trades compared to what it used to be so it was definitely interesting um but yeah i a before we even get started uh if you have not already be sure to a follow us on twitter at tag the roll of course uh go rate and review the pod wherever you listen to the pod and most importantly uh, you can catch Zach and I on play, on playback, which we'll have a link for that in the pod description and also just on our Twitter um, to watch games live with us. We uh, we just watched Iowa and Indiana women's play yesterday. That was an awesome game. Caitlin Clark and Grace Berger were fantastic. Uh, we will be watching UConn and Marquette tomorrow because this call will be coming up today on Friday. Creighton. Or Creighton, Creighton, my bad. We watched UConn Marquette. Regard, unfortunately, uh, earlier this week. Um, that was not a fun time for Marquette, but, uh, yeah, so I'm excited. Um, we've been doing yeah, some great stuff there. Watch games with us, talk, talk ball. Um, we have a good time. Yeah, definitely come watch with us. 
we don't have like a set schedule, but like for the most part, like it has seemed to be like Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays is like when we've mostly been doing it. Now here and there, we might switch up a day or miss a day. Um, but like, I, I would say like Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays are what we've been planning for recently, just with how our schedules align. So definitely stop by. It's a lot of fun. Even if you can only come for five to 10 minutes to help support us and chat with us, we, we enjoy it. Yes, definitely. So, so be there because we have a good time. Um, well, yeah, today, obviously, uh, a lot's been going on in college basketball. It feels, I don't want to say that there's a lull in it right now. Like it's, it's been competitive. There's a ton going on, but in terms of the way that things are going prospect wise, I don't think that there's been any massive shift over the last month, uh, which is partially why, I mean, you and I have both just been really busy and, and watching a ton of ball. So, uh, we're here to kind of convene on a little bit of a bigger thing um, and kind of something that I really wanted to do in looking at some of the bigger wings in the draft and how you differentiate them. Because part of what's really fun about this draft is there are like, there, there's kind of a, um, a dearth of, of bigger forwards, like three, four combos who um, all bring kind of different skill sets. And we're going to talk about some of the main guys, especially in the upper lottery today. But um, do you have any initial thoughts on that? No, um, I mean, just to, just so everyone knows, we're not talking about all the lottery guys. Like, there's some guys that we're going to be missing out that are still wings as well. But I, I think that, like, most of our pods going forward will probably be more around these kind of discussions, it seems like, because most, like, most prospects are we, – we know their strengths and we know their weaknesses unless there's someone that we just haven't caught up on as much and, like, oh, their ch- game has changed. So I feel like most of our podcasts going forward will be more of these philosophical topics and, and discussions, which will be really interesting um, throughout the rest of the draft cycle. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so today we're here to talk about uh, three guys who are all projected lottery picks. So obviously we'll talk about some other guys on the back end as well, but um, Ant Black, Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore, we're going to talk about Grady Dick later today. Um, but just in t- I think what I really wanted to look at with with this is starting with with Ant Black and Brandon Miller and uh, the way that uh, I mean I think both guys are viewed as greater prospects to an extent, but what makes them fascinating is that they both have very clear strengths but also very very clear weaknesses, um, and I think part of what is really interesting in this draft class is trying to parse through what is valuable to you, what you think can, can grow the most or, or what you are going to prioritize the most. Um, And I mean, obviously with, with Brandon, Brandon is like nutty shooter, does tons of stuff off the dribble. um, And is not that as a shooter Uh, there, that's, I mean, that's the very clear difference between them in some ways. Uh, But I mean, how do you, how do you want to get started on this one? Um. I mean, I think we just, do you want to just dive into, yeah, I guess who do you want to dive into first? Because I know this was your sort of idea of talking about it. So I, I think you can just get us start started and we'll go from there. Well, I guess I want to start off. Let's talk about where are you at with Brandon Miller? Because I wrote about him recently. Um, or is it, that's probably two weeks ago now, so it's not that recent, but close enough. Um, <laughs> but we've talked about him quite a bit on and off the pod. Um, I think you and I have tended to be more in the middle on Brandon Miller than what discourse has been in him in, in general uh, this year. So I guess I'll just turn it over to you. How have you felt about Brandon Miller? Where are you at with him right now as a prospect? Recently, I've been very encouraged with him. I think you and I have both talked about it privately, but his his improvement at the rim um, 
over the last month and a half or so, I guess, has been really impressive. Um, I guess I can just read out some numbers. So in the first nine games at the rim was 40% overall, 25.9% in the half court at the rim. Really, really rough. But over the last 15 games, he's at 71.7% overall and 53.8% in the half court at the rim. So just seeing his ability to, I think there's a little, a few things that go into it. And I don't think he's shooting as much attempts at the rim as he was in the past. And that sort of just comes down to better decision-making and not forcing up as many tough shots. So the percentages are a little bit better there, but he's also doing a much better job at using his change of pace and footwork to to find better looks or using his length to finish around players i think earlier in the season you and i talked about it where his he wasn't going to get that much more athletic most likely his path to improvement around the rim was to use more craft and footwork and change of pace and all that kind of stuff so him using that well over the last stretch of games has been really encouraging Um, his shooting is still really really impressive I would say I'm still on I'm still in the middle in terms of the discourse on him. I think I've probably gone a little bit higher on where I would take him personally in the draft, but I think that's more of being a little bit disappointed with some of the other players, whether it's some injury problems or just struggling recently, to where like he's still been improving and he's been staying steady more than other players. Still have some more time in the season to go, but I think that's probably where I've changed on him just more of like disappointing disappointed in a few other players more than like being oh he's much better I still think he does have his flaws but there has been definitely some progress at the rim with him yeah I agree I think part of it like you mentioned I think he's been a lot more uh or not necessarily there's been more in control but I think he's been a lot better at not chucking some things mm-hmm. like uh you know if he gets caught even before the rim I think he's been better at moving the ball or just trying to be a little bit more concerted in how he gets to the rim. It helps too. Like I think Alabama's done a lot more with trying to get him instead of giving him standstill pick and rolls, they've been more active in like, okay, what if we have you running into something so you can get a half step? Because the biggest thing for me, it's not like really a touch issue for him. I think it's a lot of, it's just been, he really struggles to finish through contact. I think is, um, I mean, with, I mean, he's what, like six, six, nine, six, ten, like one ninety. So like, that's going to be an issue. I feel like any time that he has to take contact is what really throws him off right now. Um, And he's been a lot better at not trying to force himself through contact as much. And I think even then, like the, like you mentioned, I think the footwork is going to be really big for him moving forward. Cause I think that's been improved too. um, In just how he's attacking. Like you've seen more of him even just getting into Euro steps. Like that wasn't something that I think we saw from him a ton early on in the year. So seeing more of that has been really good to see as well. Yeah, so going back to where you brought up like the the strength and finishing through contact and uh, the touch, what do you think about? So so he's going to get stronger, right? Maybe his frame will still be on the underwhelming side of it. But like if you go back to Brandon Ingram as early on in his NBA career, he was always off balance when he was trying to finish through contact and all this kind of stuff. He's still on the underwhelming like size kind of frame, but he's done so much. He, he's he's added so much strength in his body and so much better with physicality and balance and all that kind of stuff. Do you think that could be like a similar path for Brandon Miller, like in terms of just finishing, not the overall game, but do you think that's something that he can probably try to follow and still have that underwhelming frame, still not be the strongest guy, but you could still add strength to your body, play through physicality and get better balance. 
Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a path work. And I think a lot's going to depend too. Like, uh, how do you feel about his handle? I guess is what I would ask next. Because I think like, obviously, you know, that's a, that's a big part of it as well in terms of getting, not, not that I think his handle is bad, but in terms of getting into things, I think that will be key for him as well. Yeah, I'm not too uh, optimistic there at the moment. I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's great either. Just, I think it's, it's just a handle. It's an average handle, I think, right now, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd probably want to just see him get more creative. I think that's the way, like we said, um, and you could add that to the change of pace. Like, I just be, be more creative and crafty with his way of getting to the basket because he's not going to be able to rely on the athleticism. And I think there's a path for him to do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think with the athleticism right now, like I, I wouldn't even say that he's a bad athlete. I think he's just more like kind of an average athlete right now, um, which is not inherently bad. Like he's, he's good in some areas, not as good in others, but the, uh, I agree with the handle. I think he can have like some good moments of combination. Um, but for the most part, it's pretty looping. It's pretty wide. He can struggle with nail help and, you know, just hard digs. And I think, you know, part of that is, okay, well, he's not going to be a primary at the next level. Um, in my opinion, at least that's where I would be at on him. So I think that I'm probably a little bit less concerned about that. Like you mentioned, like, I think that's, you know, just based on what some of the reps are going to be for him. I, I'm, that's, you know, but it is, it, it's worth noting that that is kind of like an inherent limitation right now. Um, yes. Yeah, so I have, I have two quick questions for you. Um, yeah. I guess we'll start off with the first one. Is I, I agree with you. I still am not with him on like the primary kind of guy. Where do you stand on being like a really good secondary for him? Like, do you think that's in his range of possibilities? Yeah, I think part of what has made me higher on him is that I think that's a lot more possible. Um, like, I think, uh, I, obviously, this is much higher end outcome, but, like, I don't think it's crazy for him to be a leading scorer on a team someday. I don't think that he's a guy I want to have lead capabilities. Um, like, I think that, like, point being, he can carry more usage than I think I was comfortable with projecting earlier on in the year um which matters a ton because like the shooting i mean we haven't even t touched on the shooting the shooting is to me legit like i want to go back and watch more pre-college sample stuff because by all accounts was not like this as a shooter before college but was much more of a mid-range guy which to me the mid-range stuff and the self-created in-between game has been really rough for me in between and i do think to be blunt i think that there's been a little bit too much of a well alabama doesn't want him to get to that this and that like no it just has frankly been bad we're being honest on what it's looked like in alabama and i think a lot of that is like we've talked about with struggling with strength um if anybody can get into him like i honestly think like teams that have been most successful against him have just played a smaller winger guard on him that yeah, can get into his handle physicality um, yeah yeah I, I agree with that 100 percent. one thing i will say with like the Alabama mid-range stuff yeah to agree to it to an extent I agree with you where it's just been bad but he's he's taken just on jump shots right he's taken 23 um shots from 17 feet and in and 173 from three so like I still think like he probably could be putting up a little bit more there to Definitely. show that that show that part of his game and maybe that will just come with with handling physicality better or change of pace or handles to get to those mid-range spots um at the next level but yeah, I think you and I are both on the same page to where there are avenues for him to improve as a mid-range scorer or at a, as a finisher at the basket. We both know he can shoot like crazy already. 
but but yeah, there there are those ways for him to improve, and he's already an intriguing prospect. So that's impressive um, for him. What I want to ask you um, is, where are you on the defensive end with him? Because I think in this class, there are so many intriguing wing shooters who are who are really good shooters, but the defense is where a lot of the questions come in. He, I don't think I have as many defensive questions. Not that he's a great defender, but with him as I do with like someone like a Jet Howard or a Bryce Sensabaugh, right? So wh- where do you overall stand with his defense? I think I veer more into his defense is fine rather than saying that it's outright good. Like I would probably mm-hmm. consider him like a CC plus level defender right now. And that's not like, I think compared to like, and that's more just saying average than anything else. Um, right. And I think that that's, it stands out relative to the other kind of yes. <laughs> shooter wing shooters in this class, at least. Um, but okay, so do you have like a specific role that you think that he should defend or like that he excels in? Or, or what do you think his strength is on that end? Because I agree. I think it's fine. I don't think it's anything that's like noteworthy, positive. Um, don't think it's that bad either relative to everyone else. So I, I think a fine way to, a, a good way to put it. Yeah, I think I view him as somebody that, because he has actually, like, I don't think that I'm going to view him as a guy who's going to become some big time shot blocker, but like, I do think he has had some good moments of help side, even if it's less about like blocking shots, more just being in the right position and moving over as the low man. Um, I don't think that his awful defense is great, but I do think it's more like, I have questions about him being put through screens. Like I, I was going to ask him for the screen. I think that that's was, my, yeah. that's my biggest thing. Like, I think he mm-hmm. has to be a four right now defensively, or you switch him because the uh like i think he's just inherently going to have a lot of issues with screen navigation i don't think the tape on screen navigation is very good for him this year um i mean that happens when you're six nine six ten and your hot your base is really high like you're going to struggle to get over screens um and the you know where his strength is at as well hasn't really helped him but um so yeah i think i view him much more as like can you play him as a four who is you know not having to chase guys off the ball or maybe you're just more comfortable switching your threes and fours yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be a four. Like, there could just be some threes who are just not, like, ball handlers as well. Yeah. Um, aside from screen navigation, though, like, let's say someone wants to go at him in ISO, right, or they're attacking him just off the, off the dribble, how do you feel about his ability to contain there? Or do you just say that's still struggling with the screen navigation and you just want him off the ball as much as possible? Or do you think he can do a little bit of containing um, – the perimeter if someone's trying to attack a closeout or just have him an ISO? I think I'd probably want to keep him off the ball as much as possible. Like, I think that he's he's in a weird spot because, like, I don't think that he – again, I don't think that he's, like, bad as a containment defender, but he looks a lot better just because of how long he is than I, I think he is right now. Like, I don't think that his feet are awesome as a defender right now. Like, I don't – I really don't think that he should be switched on to guards really – all that often um that's more of a breaking break glass in case of emergency thing um but i think part of that too is like i think being a more aggressive defender could really benefit him like he's much more like somebody who is going to wait for a an offensive player to make a move and i think letting offensive players dictate things especially when you maybe don't have the quickest feet in the world is probably the worst thing you can do so I do think like that's something that automatically you could see him improving on at the next level. And part of that strength too, like, yeah, I was um, going to say, I don't want everything to come back to strength with him, but it, but it, it is, is part of it, it for sure. It is yeah. a big part of his 
like path to improvement. But the good thing is, is that's something that should come and, and how much the strengths improves is still up in the air, but he still just hasn't gotten to an MBA like strength and conditioning program. He hasn't been able to work with that. He that's going to help him. So I think that is a lot of like the the optimistic way to look at um, his weaknesses right now, but you obviously can't just attribute it all to, Oh, it's strength. will get it better. Strength will get it yeah. better. There's, there's still stuff he has to improve on from a skill perspective as well. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think part of what makes me optimistic is that I don't necessarily think his feel is terrible as a defender. I think it's just a lot of honing in on technique, um, which that takes time, but I think that's stuff that you can actually improve on. So I'm, I'm optimistic about that. Um, how do you feel about his passing ability? I think is what the one thing we probably haven't hit on yet. Yeah. I, with his passing, I think he can like miss some reads here and there to where I'm like, oh, I really like him to make this pass. But I've honestly been somewhat encouraged with some of the passes that I've seen him make. Not that I'm going to say, oh, he's going to be a great passer at the next level or anything, but I think he's had some nice like skip passes that sort of caught me off guard where I was like, oh, okay. Or I've seen like a live dribble left hand pass to like just a kick out or something. I'm like, okay, that's, that's nice. I mean, I think with him, he, I don't expect it to really ever be an advanced passer. Um, maybe I'll change that opinion as the season goes on. But for him, I, I think that the hope is the scoring gravity will make stuff easier for him as a passer if the scoring does translate from everything that we talked about before. That's probably how I view it right now. Yeah, I agree. Because like I think I looked at it as uh, with the scoring improvements on the interior and just like showing the more capability to do that. I think I'm a lot more optimistic on being able to get the most out of his shot gravity. Um, and then, you know, getting to parlay that into what his reads can become. Because again, like pick and roll reads is all going to be not saying that is basic, but it's like that's more controlled reps that you can you can kind of figure out as a secondary playmaker. So I feel good about that. Um, I still think like ultimately like he's like he can make the right reads, but I just think that he's he's typically later than I would like. And I think that's more than that's more about like speaking on him not being a primary and speaking on him being more of a secondary guy. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Um, I think. Yeah, like I, I do wonder, too, if it's not even that is. See, what, well, I do think what is kind of difficult is I, I would love to see what he looks like in a different offense just mm -hmm. because, like, Alabama really plays to his strengths. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I think that's part of what's interesting in looking at some of the guys in the in the draft because, like, okay, well, he's a guy who is in, like, a pretty perfect setting for, for what he does and how he operates. And I do wonder what it looks like somewhere else because, like, same thing, like, all right, if you throw somebody else into one of the better spaced offenses – in 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 division one like i like and i'm not mean i'm that's coming off from him that's more like i think this has looked really good for showcasing what he can do when other guys have been in more precarious situations um yeah i think that's fair but what i would say to that is i would rather use poor spacing to like not give an excuse for someone with poor spacing but like noted about oh their team has poor spacing and like the, not not that you're doing this but like talk down him because he has a good offense, yeah no right? exactly i I'm think not it's trying a better to... way to prop other players up to their context versus because like the hope is a team's going to use him properly so good job for alabama doing that the hope is an nba team would be the same right yeah i think more what i was trying to point out is like that is just kind of something that i do have in the back of my head like 
I think that you are getting a pretty crisp idea of what he's going to look like at the next level. Um, rather than saying like, I think his role is going to be like, be completely different, you know, like, um, I don't know if that, that I, that was not intended to shade. I hope that comes off. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I, I know exactly what you're getting at, yeah. but I've, I've seen that be some conversation with other teams as well. Like whether it's Gonzaga now with Arizona's new offense and, and Alabama, all these teams that do a good job um, over the last couple of years recently with, with spacing or, fast-paced offense and that kind of stuff and I think sure like it, it's good to note that these players are in good offenses for their games but that's the hope at the next level as well I, I would rather use like the bad context setting players and be like oh they could have a better context and be like oh these guys are in the perfect context let's bring them down a bit you know yeah definitely um but but I guess one more thing I'll put is it's cool. yeah they, they're they're they might not get the best setting at the NBA level. And you still want to be able to have a player who can provide value in different kind of roles. And like, if, if you have a bad context, can you still provide value? Obviously it's not ideal, but if you can only provide value and provide uh, production in one kind of role, you probably have some flaws of your own anyways. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's a really great way to put it. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about Anthony Black now? Yeah, I think that's a good transition to Anthony Black because the difference between Brandon Miller and him is, I mean, there's a lot of differences, but there's there's a big difference in passing, right? And we just talked about the passing there. And I think we should just start with the passing with Anthony Black. Um, his passing is a lot of fun. One thing that I really, really like about him is, and this goes to his most his, his game as a whole, is in the pick and roll, um, he does a really, really good job with his change of pace and, and, and being patient and timing his, like to time himself up with the roller. So they're going to the basket at a similar time, which makes it pat like, which makes it tougher on the defense. It makes it easier angles for him to hit the roller or get to the skip pass in the opposite corner. Um, I, I just like, it's not all about the passing here, but I just like his, his change of pace um, and, and how he uses that with the passing I guess one thing I will say about the change of pace um, is it's predictable because that's probably his best way of getting an advantage and almost the only way at the moment. Um, but yeah, back to the passing. I think he's a really, really good passer. I wouldn't say he's to the level of some of the other guys like like Josh Giddy, right? We've seen these bigger guards recently. I don't think he's a Josh Giddy level passer or LaMelo, but he's still a really, really good passer. Yeah, I think he's in an interesting point, too, because, like, I think I agree, like, he's not the same level of passer as Giddy, but I honestly, like, I feel a lot better about his downhill ability and just, like, how he can get into the paint. And like you mentioned with the change of pace, like, I think he has, um, would you say his handle's tighter than Giddy's was as a prospect? Um, so, or is he just more capable of getting lower to the ground? I think he has more to his handle. I don't know if he's using it as often. And Giddy did a really good job of like just that really weird crossover, like quick yeah, change of pace, like left though. to right to get to the basket. And he did it consistently, which was very weird. Um, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure like how much that would translate, but it actually had again, and I like Giddy a lot. He has been able to do that similar kind of move at times now, but as a prospect, that's one of the only like few handle things I remember like being like, okay, this is working for Giddy to where Anthony Black, I don't think he's showing his handle every game, to be honest, but I think there have been some really 
impressive flashes like one every three or one every four games you see his handle come out and you're like oh look at how quickly he changed directions with that like double move and i'm like oh okay cool so i would say i'm probably more optimistic with anthony black's handle than i was with giddy's but it's not like oh it's been so much better this year i just think i've seen more intriguing flashes yeah i would agree with that um i I'm trying to think how I want to go with this. What is difficult? Like, I, I think what's one of the things that's really hard about watching somebody like Anthony, who I really like, is having to compare the numbers of what his inside the arc scoring is with what I feel like it is when I'm watching. Like, so just to read off some numbers, so this is from Instat. Um, so on, and this is not even excluding transition. So like, if you're just looking at, Inside the arc jumpers and floaters, um, he's currently at, uh, hold on a sec, he is 14 of 54 inside the arc on jumpers and floaters, um, which is rough. And I think uh, what's really hard is like part of that, like he does get fouled on some of them, especially with like rim drives. He's been really good at using his body and drawing contact. I think that's been cool. But I also think it does stand out how little he gets to the rim unguarded um like i do think like like mentioning the drives like he's been um like i do think like the burst and strength on the drives is very real like that's really improved from where he was at in high school um just because he's gotten a lot stronger like i think pd put out a side-by-side comparison of what he looked like his last year of aau compared to where he's at now and it's it's very striking how much muscle muscle he's put on like his shin angle is a lot better on, on drives and everything, but um and it is worth noting too, like Arkansas is a very cramped offensive system right now, but also like I don't think that you can fully issue things just because the spacing is wonky. Like sometimes you're going like I don't think that that like I mean Ricky Council is still scoring incredibly well at the rim, even playing in a very cramped offense. So it is like yes and no like I don't think that you can fully use it in some ways yeah and I think it's it's funny to go from Brandon Miller's offensive setting to Anthony Blocks because they couldn't be well it's hard too because it's like it's not like I kind of like what Arkansas runs they just don't have any kind of spacing like it's by the way Nick Smith should be back they said he might be back tonight I'm not 100% sure but I think that's what came out but yeah, I, I, I want to go on the, the touch. I think that's a good way to get into the touch with him. Because um, you're talking about the finishing and the the, the intermediate game, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm I'm pretty iffy on the touch. Um, the floaters, I, I went back and watched every one of his floaters. It was pretty, pretty rough to watch. There were some nice flashes there. Um, but but one thing I want to to bring up with floaters and it's not to like make the case for him because I do think there was some problems with like how he went about his floaters and how he settled for some or threw up some tough ones and they just didn't look good. But I think with, with looking at the numbers for floaters, it's such a high variance shot from year to year as well because of a small sample size and, and a lot of other things to where it's really tough to look at it. And I always go back to Najee Marshall when he was at Xavier and looking at his stuff because because. <laughs> So the, the, the year before he left for the draft, he was 53% on floaters, 26 for 49. Pretty good, like 49 attempts over a year. Still small sample size, but for floaters, it's like over 30 or so games. Not too bad, okay? 
the next year, his his last year before entering the draft, all the way down to 26.7%, 12 for 45 um, on those. So similar amount of attempts, a huge difference in his efficiency on the same amount of attempts a year later. And now back to this current year in the NBA, he's 48% again, 36 or 75. But I just, I, I think, and, and he's not the only example of this. There's, I think, more examples throughout college basketball and the NBA and year to year floaters, unless like you're an elite floater guy. Um, there's a lot of high variance there. So I think looking at those numbers be, um, is, is a little bit tough. Um, but, but yeah, looking at the film, you can see that there is some problem with his floaters. I do think there are certain times where you're like, Oh, okay. Like if he can just get this down consistently, whether it's like attacking a closeout and, stopping early because there's a guy waiting at the rim and shooting a floater over them. There's some promise here, but if it's okay, let me attack someone from the perimeter. They're still going to be up on me. And I got to like hit a tough floater through contact. That's where I'm a little bit more iffy with him. Um, But yeah, in terms of his finishing all the way at the basket, I think that that's been a little bit of a hit or miss as well i think he's had some really nice finishes through contact because of his 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 size and just being able to go through some players at times but there are some some times as well where you're like oh he's not getting a good look off the ground or he's not getting too high off the ground when they like in traffic when it contest is there and you're like oh he just throws up a really tough shot so his finishing i mean his offense as a whole like from a scoring perspective is where a lot of the questions come in um, but I do think that the the finishing and the intermediate game does need to improve. Yeah. And I think part of what helps too in that regard, like he is really willing, which has been good. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't yeah. think that he shows any, I never really feel with him that he has any issues with aggression, which is important. Obviously, like you need to be somebody who's willing to try shit if you're going to make things work. Um, he's a guy who I definitely want to go back and watch more pre-college stuff. And just like feel so I can get a better feel of what his progression has been from, you know, a year or two ago to where he is now as a scorer. Um, Because I think like, again, like if you're trying to gauge what track he's on and where he's going, like, I think that'll be important. Um, I'm trying to think what else went on with that. Like, well, just to go off what you said, then um, is, yeah, I, I would agree. I think he is pretty like. I don't think he's a passive player at all. I think there are some times where I'm like, oh, I still would want you to go up with this um, at the rim. I think there has been some times where he has passed up a, a few good looks, but I wouldn't consider him a passive player. Like I do think that he does look to attack at times, and I like to see that out of him. Um, I guess before we go to the defense, um, do you want to talk about the shot a little bit? Um I think that's the the other part because we talked about his change of pace already. We talked about the finishing. Um, the passing. Uh, is there anything else besides the shot that you want to touch on? Um, I'm trying. Well, I, I do kind of want to talk on some more philosophical stuff afterwards. Yeah, talking about him, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the um the shot because the shot is not good, and it has certainly regressed since earlier in the year. Just if you're looking at percentages. Um, I mean, I, I again, he's somebody like. I, he just didn't used to shoot even when he was an AAU, right? Like, I don't remember, to be completely honest, which tells you how much I know. But, like, I uh, like I mean, he has shot a little bit this year. Like, he takes about three a game. Um, I don't think it looks good. It's kind of hitchy. It's more of a two-motion right now. Um, and I don't really feel good about it. 
he has some bad misses. Like he'll just straight up miss the rim sometimes. Um, it's not the same as where Tari was at with loading it up on his shoulder, but like you can kind of tell he's really trying to line it up with the basket when he's going, which I think that speaks a lot to where he is as a shooter right now. Like it's not super fluid. He's not super comfortable with it. Um, again, I think it's good that he's getting them up, but it, I don't feel very good about his jumper right now. Yeah, that's fair. And I just pulled up the Cerebro numbers for him. And so at the the U18s this past summer in six games, he only took six three-pointers, like one attempt a game. But there wasn't much of a sample size before unless you go all the way back to like the top 100 MBPA camp in 2021, and he put up 28 over six games. But besides that, it's always been like a sample size of like five or six less or or less pretty much. And sometimes Mm -hmm. nothing in a game or, or just three shots. So not a large sample size or priors of shooting for him. Um, but yeah, my my thoughts on the shot are for how I view him um, offensively is I just want him to be respectable enough to not hurt a team's facing. I, I don't care if it's him still being a below average shooter. I just don't want teams to fully help off of him. And I think that is a concern right now. I, I I don't think I can confidently say, oh, teams will definitely not be able to help off of him. I, I think that's definitely a fair concern right now. Um, but I I think that he has shown a little bit of stuff there. The, the shot has been up and down this year. 31% on captain shoot threes. If we look at just spot up, no dribble threes. Um, on, on spot up threes, he's at... 33%. The, the the problem with him though is I think he needs time to load and set up and his he has a it's all really slow. So with being a poor shooter and having a slow shot, you give defenses the the opportunity to help off of you because they'll have extra time to close out on you or to recover to you just because of your slow shot as well, right? Yeah. So I think that he needs to either become quicken up a shot a little bit or just become a little bit more of a respectable shooter or prove that he can attack closeouts, which right now he might not be able to even get that many closeouts if the shot isn't falling. Right. So I think that's where a lot of the concern comes with him, but I would say I am, I'm a little bit optimistic there um, to where the shot is just good enough to where it's like, okay, he's not going to be this huge negative on offense. Yeah. And that's, you're bringing up good points because I think I'm in the same boat. Um, like I, even as much as I was just negative on a shot, like I, I do think that um, again, like when you're looking at trajectory and improvement, I think that there's some stuff to be encouraged by. Um, and I would really like, I I'm very interested to see what it can continue to look with. And I think where he goes will, will matter a lot. Um, yeah. If, if but, it weren't for the, if it weren't for the, what I said of like, I, I just can't say I'm, confidence not going to be a problem like if i was like oh teams won't be able to help off of him i'd probably be higher on him than i i i like him a lot i am pretty high on him already but i i could see myself being even higher on him if i didn't have that in the back of my head um but but i do think there is some concern there and you and you know how i have viewed prospects in the past like and and he's different than these guys like Picoro, for example. Like it, it's tough to use a really top pick on a guy who just doesn't bring value on offense. And like I said, I I like his passing a lot. And I think the change of pace is good. 
but if the finishing is rough and the shot is rough, it's going to be tough for him to actually leverage all of his passing as well, right? He, unlike Okoro, who was a good passer when he was attacking closeouts, um, when he didn't get closeouts, they would take it away. Anthony Black can at least run the pick and roll. So, like, he can still get to his passes that way. But, um, yeah, there's just a little bit too many offensive concerns to where I'm like, oh, I can get this high, like, as, like, oh, seven or eight. And I'm like, I really could be, like, seven or eight for him if I was a little bit more optimistic on the offense. I still like him as a lottery guy 100%. um, But, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the year goes to where the the rest of the offense season if, if we can just see like it doesn't have to end the year being a really good shooter or a really good finisher but seeing progress is what i want to see the rest of the way i agree because like i really am liking what you're saying because like part of what's fun about him is i think and this is what's interesting in talking about when you're looking at guys context because i think having to play an arkansas system and more it's less about the system and it's more about what the personnel is like you've really had to see him be aggressive and finding other ways to to attack without having optimal spacing, which I think is kind of cool because like you see a lot of stuff like obviously they really empower him to um, to bring the ball up, which a I think I made this note because I'm going to write something about this. I keep I always say that I feel like that I'm going to write something about something, but like I, I promise it's coming. I have like the outline done. I just need to actually write it. And I've been like clipping and everything, but um him and Haley Jones who plays for Stanford like I think they're two really good examples of players where you really need to empower them to push the pace to push the break to to handle the ball to bring it up to get the most out of them and to make it actually more impactful for your offense to have a player who maybe does have some scoring questions but really brings stuff with their their court vision and like a threshold of athleticism that matters for getting downhill like um so like even with Ant, like if somebody plays off of him and he doesn't have an automatic runway, like if there are like two guys that load up in the paint when he's coming in, um, you know, after pushing off of a miss, like he'll flow into a quick DHO and then get himself rolling towards the basket. Or um, like even then, like they'll do like good stuff with invert, like not not inverted, but like they'll give him opportunities to run like like he'll quick quick reverse the ball. And then get set up to do like some kind of empty corner pick and roll or something like that. Like they do good things to get him going towards the rim, which I think matters. Um, and I view him as somebody who can really like, like his, uh, not that he's been like necessarily bursty downhill, but like he, he did, he is like, he's explosive without being like a nutty athlete. I feel like, cause he, he just gets out of what he's doing quickly. Like even if he's screening, like I feel like he's able to get downhill quickly Um he does just a lot of like good quick stuff that I think matters at least a little bit more if you're playing in the right offense. So again, like I think it makes it more contextually important, but um, point being like, I do have a lot, like he's not going to just stand there and hold the ball, which matters a lot. Um, But again, like it's all about like how confident you are in him improving some of the interior scoring stuff. Cause I think I would say it's more like obviously the floater, and uh, some of the touch game, like we've hit on, is pretty rough right now. But I do feel a lot like I obviously wasn't scouting Isaac Okoro at the time, but compared to how I felt about Isaac Okoro in the NBA, just by virtue of Ant being a lot bigger and I think having better touch around the rim, I think that I'm more confident in what that can look like. Well, let me give you another player here. What about yeah. Tyson Daniels? 
what, what do you mean and what about him? Just like, because you said you weren't scouting a Cora back then, but you saw Dyson Daniels last year, right? Yeah. So how would you view like another another bigger guy who who can defend well, but has some offensive questions? All, like there, there are definitely clear differences, but how would you do that kind of? I, well, I, I think to Ant is a better prospect to me than Dyson. I think that I am more confident in Dyson becoming a shooter, but I that's think that's what I was going to ask you. Cause I, I, I know I was more confident in Dyson as a shooter than I am with Ant right now, but I mean, Dyson was obviously a really good defender and we'll, we'll go into Ant's defense very, very shortly. But yeah, I just wanted to yeah. get what you thought there. Cause yeah. um, I, I, I do think that's probably a little bit closer as one than like an Accorda or a Giddy. Um, yeah, but definitely. Yeah. Cause like I would consider Ant a better playmaker than Dyson. Um, I would, I think he's a better defender than Dyson. I know Dyson's really good, but like, I think I like Ant as a defender that much um, in some of the things he can do, but yeah, like, I think it's, it's a good point. Cause like, is if you don't have confidence that he's going to become like a 35, 36% three point shooter, is he really a better prospect? Um, I think just, I don't know, just like based on what his other skills are. I think I, I really like that. He's not contact deterrent. Like, even though like it can be not great if he goes flying into contact, I never really feel like Ant is super out of control, which I think helps. Um, but like I appreciate that he doesn't force himself into floaters all the time, which was one of my biggest issues with Dyson last year. Um, yeah, and then one more guy I want to bring up before we go to the defense is, and this is for like how I've looked at stuff is, I'm a little not scared, but just I like Jared Culver as a prospect and he obviously hasn't worked out very well. Another big kind of guy who can who play with the ball, have shooting questions. He was actually a good finisher, was a good defender as well. Um, but I, I think the difference between Anthony Black and him, I, like I said, I, I do think the, the offense can be a concern with Anthony Black. And if it doesn't work out, which is why it can be risky using a top pick on him. But I would say like, what I'm telling myself for Anthony Black because I think he just has much better feel than Jared Culver had. Yeah. And even though I like Culver as a defender, I think Anthony Black's just a better. I, I just think Anthony Black's a really, really, really awesome defender, um, both yeah. on and off the ball. So there are differences there, but just just some examples of players who have worked out and players who haven't worked out with having those offensive questions um, while being a, like a defensive stud and, and how high they were picked is, is good to get to remember when looking at these kind of players, I think. Yeah, no, I think that is a good point. Because like you mentioned, we didn't even talk about the feel really. Like, I think we kind of underscored the feel in terms of just talking about how he makes himself, he does everything he can to make himself a positive in a very difficult context to be a positive. Um, But yeah, I agree. I think his overall feel for the game is just, it's very good. Um, I wouldn't call it great, but I think it's very good. Yeah, I... I was going to get more into his feel on the the defensive part. um, But I guess we can just go into the defense. I think he's one of the better defenders in the class. I really, really like both his on-ball and his off-ball defense. I think he is really disruptive, and he, and he finds ways to impact the plays off the, off the ball. But on the ball, I think for someone his size, he moves his feet incredibly well and, and quickly. And I think there are some things to be said where he takes a bad angle or a little bit of bad footwork or discipline on a few things here and there where maybe someone gets a step on him. I think that is something that can be pretty easily cleaned up. And if not easily, like something that can be worked on and improved. Um, and, and one thing with him that I think 
stands out at times is sometimes even when a guy gets a half a step on him, he just having that kind of size makes it and, and his foot speed makes it tough for players to fully turn the corner on him. So he's able to keep them on his hip or like push them off the spot so they don't get all the way to the rim. And I think that stands out um, with 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 his with his defense. So I just like his both on ball and off ball defense. Um, I really don't know if they're. I don't know if I'd say he's the best defender in the class, but I don't think there are many better defenders. I'm just like going through Tankathon right now, trying to see if there's anybody I'd pick as a better defender than him. I mm, see because like then it gets because I'm I I hover over. It, it, yeah, it's tough. I hovered over a name, and I was like, okay. I think that I would say yes, but I think people would disagree with me. I think he's a better defender than Kaysen, just by virtue of his size. Like, yeah, I think that I think that helps. I think that helps because we don't need to go too deep into Kaysen now. But yeah, yeah, I I think one thing with Kaysen is sure. I think he he's strong and physical for his size, and maybe he'll be able to like people won't be able to bully him to like get the best positioning on him at times, but still just being able, able to shoot over players um, at the NBA level, especially when there's this many talented offensive players, it, it it's something like you can go back to any time where like KCP was on the Lakers and they had him defending all these bigger wings. KCP is an incredible defender. Mm. It doesn't matter if you have two or three inches less on someone who can shoot right over you. Um, you can you can stop them from getting to the basket. You can do all this kind of stuff, and they'll shoot right over you and make a shot. And that counts for something. And even if you all looked at the UCLA-Kentucky game, Jalen Clark is not a great offensive player, and he was able to get good positioning against Kaysen two or three times and just score over him around the basket. Obviously, you don't want to use one game and just run with that because that's not good process. But I do think that it is definitely noteworthy that um, Kaysen probably shouldn't be defending many wings, and 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 that does lose some value. Yeah, um, I agree. So, because yeah, uh, what was I going to say? I so going through, I think Jarris is the only guy I would put over him right now, excluding okay. Victor, obviously. Um, and, and that's probably because you think Jarris brings more versatility to the floor than Anthony Black, even though you probably would say Anthony Black's a better on-ball guy. You just think Jarris does more versatility and in, in different kind of coverages in the pick and roll, defending bigs, and he could still switch a little bit, and off-ball defense is good. Yeah, I think that makes yeah. sense. I think that cool. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, we're in the same boat. But like, like you mentioned, like watching him ice pick and rolls is very fun. He's very... Like he is so aggressive in attacking people in ice coverage, which I love. I think like one of the things that I, and obviously part of it, it's not always on players. I think part of it's how, how it gets coached, but like, I hate when ice coverage is just like, all right, well, we're here waiting for you. Okay. Well, a, a good guard can just pick that apart and say, well, as soon as you start to recover, I'm just going to make you wish that you had an ice my coverage, but um, ant just hounds people coming in an ice coverage and I, I love it um he just does so many little things as a defender that I really appreciate exactly like you mentioned like, I think the defensive freneticism is really huge like he covers so much ground because he's just always moving um like he it's maybe I'm like conflating like body types and how they move a little too much but like he's very much like Sohan as a defender to me but I think he has better feet and that matters a ton um like in that same vein of like, I don't think that they're going to be real rim protectors, but they can be very good as low man because they make the right 
moves are good in scheme like and they're playing i mean they play the same scheme too um so yeah i've i've really loved ant black awesome um i can't remember if it was with him or with brandon miller but i know there was something that you said you wanted to get more into something philosophically was that something that we didn't touch on yet or did we already touch well i guess my question for you is going to be who are you going to bet on more um, which I know not, not saying that it has to be like choosing either one of them, but when you're looking yeah. at somebody who has, uh, who has this tremendous, like very good feel for the game, who brings what they bring defensively, um, and has like, I am very confident in saying that I don't think Brandon Miller is ever going to get to the level of playmaker that Ant Black's at. Mm -hmm. um just because i don't believe that you can just grow that like i don't think that like even if you really work to rep things out like i don't think that organically it's going to get to that um so how do you try and view that because to me like i think i tend to view playmaking as like arguably the most important true playmaking combined with with handle as like the most important part of a of a prospect in some regards like when you're looking at like somebody who really you want to carry usage so I don't know, like, how do you end up kind of rating? Obviously, it's going to depend on who is uh, um, who's drafting, but. Yeah, so for me, I think if you were to ask me this like a month or month and a half ago or so, I probably would be like, okay, I would probably take Anthony Black. Right now, if I had to pick between the two, I, I would go Brandon Miller. And I think I, I agree with you to the extent that I don't think Brandon Miller will get to the same playmaking level as Anthony Black. Um, but I think my concern with Anthony Black's offense and maybe he won't be able to use all that playmaking or even if he can, there will still be some flaws on that end to where he might not be a positive on the offensive end still is, is what's holding me back from, from wanting to bet on him more. I think it is tough, um, but like we talked about, I think Brandon Miller doesn't have to be a primary guy. He can be a secondary guy to where like, he can hopefully do a better job attacking off the catch, be a really, really good shooter, get better with the mid-range shots and the and, and finishing at the rim and, and, and improve the handle a little bit. I don't think he necessarily needs to be as good as a passer as Anthony Black. And and mm-hmm. like we took like we touched on, I think it's fair to assume that Brandon Miller, if things were to work out, he'd have more scoring gravity than Anthony Black does. So yeah. the scoring gravity should open up more passing as well, just to help him a little bit. So yeah, no, I, I would go Brandon Miller um, between the two. I just have some concerns with Anthony Black's offense, um, even though I still like him as a prospect a lot. And I, I just want um, him to to improve that offensive side of the game. Yeah, I agree for what it's worth. Um, like I think part of why I wanted to talk about it is like, it's with, with the improvements that he's made, it's really hard to not um, take into account how immense his scoring gravity is going to be compared to where Ant is at right now um so it's just to be fair, yeah to be fair i i don't want to like make it come off as oh he's definitely going to have scoring gravity like right now like like we talked about you put a small physical guard on him and he already struggles a little bit at times so like why would a defense bring help to him right now if he can't do that right he still has to to earn that kind of help mm-hmm. defense respect and, and and be able to to score on someone himself before 
having help defenders actually worry about him to open up other passers. I don't think he 100% has that now. It's more of if you're looking at the upside case for him, that is a potential, that that is a possibility. And that's how I think it should be looked at. Because, yeah, I right now I wouldn't say, oh, help defense, come help on him. He can't pass or he's going to score. It's like, no, just make him get his own bucket for now. But he has to, to prove himself first, and then that will hopefully open up the rest of the game. Um, but that is more on the upper end outcomes for him, I think I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think we're in the same boat with that. Um, I say in the same boat a lot. I gotta gotta change up my um my adjectives. That's not an adjective, but moving on. Um, you want to talk about Cam Whitmore because Cam Whitmore is having a season. Let's do it. Um, first of all. It is really interesting watching them and, and just watching him in general because he is asked to do so much. Um, yeah. It's it's crazy. I I don't know when they played. The, I forgot. I don't think I checked after their recent game, but before this recent game, he had like nine more off the dribble threes than catch and shoot threes. And I'm like, okay, well, that's that's sort of absurd, especially for, for him. Um actually shooting 40 just under 42 percent on catch and shoot threes this year very nice um but yeah he's asked to do so much with the ball in his hands and one thing that i find very impressive with him is i don't think they have good spacing there that that much but he finds ways to get into the paint at will with his explosiveness or being able to avoid digs or, or stunts and all this, like he he's avoiding help defense after beating his initial man and getting all the way to the paint. And I think that's awesome. I think once he's there in the paint, there are some questions with him where I think the finishing has been pretty rough. Um, and I don't want to say it's totally, he just has bad touch. I think a lot of it can go back to honestly, what we talked about with Brandon Miller's improvement of, just not taking as many tough shots. I think Cam Whitmore tries to finish through three guys at times when it's just not a good, not a good uh, approach to go up with the ball. So I think just changing his approach and process once he gets into the paint could actually improve his numbers more than just like, Oh, he has bad touch. I think that's a better way or how, how I'd look at it. But like right now he's actually under 45% on layups in the half court, which is pretty crazy for someone who can get to the rim like he can and, and has that explosiveness um but but yeah i i think how his ability to get into the paint is is really really impressive especially with him being able to avoid the help defense that has come once he's beaten his guy on the perimeter that's like one of my favorite things i think that i've that i've noticed watching his watching his film yeah i think just to add on to the finishing issues i think part of it is just his gathering like i think he can kind of really struggle to get the ball up and get into optimal finishing position coming off um, like he, like you mentioned, I think he's really explosive getting downhill, but it's the actual, like stopping, well, not even stopping, but like having a fluid motion of, from going downhill to getting up to the rim, I think can be an issue for him at times. And I think part of that, like Villanova spacing is rough. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Vill- why it's so impressive that he can get to yeah. the rim that he cuts because their spacing is rough and people are helping off their guys to try to stop him drive. And he's still like okay, let me hop set this way or Euro and, and, and find my ways to get to the rim. It's just, yeah, like we both said, just the approach or the process when he's there needs improvement. Definitely. Um, and yeah, like I think part of what is uh, 
what so exactly like you're saying like it's it's difficult because like i want to see what that would look like in a just saying more space that offense feels unfair sometimes but like it is kind of like watching the raptors play it's a lot of the same idea like we have a bunch of big wings who create through power and strength and have some some shaky shooting we really don't create a lot of separation as an offense um it's it's a weird context to view in, on both sides of the ball i think in some ways but um like you mentioned with the offense, like I want to, do you want to keep talking about the finishing? I think we hit that pretty well. No, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm good on the finishing. I think that uh, still like is able to find like easy dunks in the half court, which is very promising. Like he, he's able to beat his guy on baseline drives or whatever and have dunks or um, just get some offensive rebound and putbacks and all this kind of stuff. So it's not like he is just doesn't have stuff going for him at the rim. It's just like on, on, on layups when he's attacking from the perimeter if there's not like an easy dunk it, it has been bad but yeah i think we've touched on the, the finishing enough yeah um i really am impressed with his self-creation ability as a three-point shooter um like i think that has been extremely fun to watch like this the space he creates on side steps and snatchbacks um you know really it's not the same as benedict Mathurin, but he uses the jab step a lot to try and uh set up defenders to get into his 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 side step and uh and 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 pull up threes and it's been really effective for him like that has been kind of a blast to watch because i think that is kind of the big selling point with him is you have this guy who has nuclear ability getting downhill and i would consider an extremely poppy vertical athlete um that has some handle and can really get into pretty effective self-created stuff from, from three. And it's on volume too. It's not just like him taking a couple, like he's doing a lot, as you mentioned with what his load has been for their offense. So that has been, that has been really impressive to watch. Yeah. I, I think that sort of where my intrigue comes with him on the offensive end is, is if he wasn't so I don't want to go into the finishing again, but like if the finishing doesn't improve, I guess there is some stuff to be said, but his ability to get to the paint and set, set that up, like, and use that as a threat to create more space on his step back shots off the dribble is what makes it so intriguing. And, and maybe if, if his finishing doesn't improve, people are going to be playing him tighter and be like, okay, drive by me and improve. You can finish at the basket. And then that sort of takes away some of his threat, but if his finishing doesn't improve, and then you're like, okay, well, if I am guarding you up close, you're going to beat me off the dribble. Um, or if I bite on it, you're going to step back. That's what makes him a, a tough offensive assignment to defend. Um, and, and and that's the impressive part. Cause he, he, we've talked about how he shoots more shots off the dribble than threes. Who knows if that's going to keep up or not like at the next level, but he's more than capable of hitting shots off the dribble. Um, well, the percentages aren't that good right now. He's actually at 30%, um, 13 for 43 on, off the dribble three so not great but i don't think that's like anything to be too worried about those are just more difficult shots they're contested all this kind of stuff and and when you match that with like some catch and shoot threes like it, it's fine um but yeah I, I think using the threat of his drive to open up shots off the dribble is what makes him an intriguing offensive prospect in my opinion that goes with that that with his athleticism is just where my, I think that's the sell for him to be honest on the offensive end. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Cause right now, like I think he can make some dump offs and stuff on the interior, but I wouldn't really call him like a 
very good pass right now. I don't think that his feel is bad, but I don't think it's something that I would point out as a strength right now either. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think going back to the using the thing as a threat, I think that's something that Jaden Ivey was able to use last year quite well at times where he would be any guy off the dribble that he wanted to. Then he would give them like a little bit of hesitation. They would try to cut him off on a drive and he would just hit a step back three or, or like a mid-range shot. Like he doesn't have to be a three, right? He can get into a mid-range shot because they're overplaying the drive and, and there's that. So I think, don't want to keep overusing it, but I, I, I do think that if the finishing does improve, he's able to use the threat of his shot or his driving ability to open up the other one and he will be able to get what he wants um, on the offensive end. Definitely. Um, well, yeah, let's talk about the defense now. Uh, I think the defense has gotten better from where it was at the beginning of the year. I thought it was pretty rough at the beginning of the year, if we're being honest. Um, I think to me, a lot of, like he's it's sort of the same way that we talked about Brandon Miller. I think a lot of it, like I need him to improve technique wise in a lot of regards. Like obviously Villanova is just pretty heavily switching stuff. Um, I think he's gotten better at not giving as much space. Um, Cause that was an issue for me early on in the year. I felt like he was giving guys a lot of space. He was getting back cut a little bit. Um, I think that he still does have some issues with getting back cut, but it has been better in my opinion. Um, like, the like he can have some really impressive moments of verticality around the rim I think that has popped a little bit more for me in the last few weeks with him just being a willing and active low man um and I think he can do some solid stuff containing on the ball but where are you at right now with him as a defender yeah I I'm honestly like up in the air still on his defense I think he's one of the guys I'm still trying to figure out on that end um I think that there's been, I mean, like you said, both on and off plays with him. I, I think that I was watching, which game was I watching recently? The, the Xavier game, like the, the game where like the January, early January, where he actually went off in that game. I think on the defensive end, he he did a pretty good job on on Colby Jones and Silly Boom, where he, he did a good job defending them. But I think he got lost off the ball a couple times throughout that game as well. Um I think with 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 his defense, I'm probably how do I want to say this? I would say I'm optimistic with it at least right now. Yeah. Um, I I think that the athleticism that he has just gives him an advantage and decent size and all that kind of stuff. But I do I do want to see more from him. And like you said, um, technique can improve, and and their defensive stuff is weird in general. But I think that's someone um, where I just probably want to take a closer look at the rest of this year, especially because he missed the beginning of the year as well, right? So I just want to watch a little bit more there to to have to, to have a stronger take there. Yeah, I agree. Because I think, like you mentioned, I think he's kind of – Ivy's a really interesting point to bring up because, I, again, not the same guys but um, or archetypes even. But I think in terms of the – like he can kind of um, – I think he still has to like – learn the boundaries of what his athleticism can do sometimes like I think because he can uh like finding like we mentioned like in terms of like finding like optimal angles to take and how to not overplay things even though you can be really aggressive with with what you have as with his lateral quickness and explosive ability like I think that's going to be a learning thing in, in the NBA too for sure but I agree. I'm optimistic on him. I don't think that he's got like the preternatural feel to be like an all world defender, but also like he has 
excuse me, a lot of, uh, a lot of capabilities and qualities that I do like as a defender. Yeah. And, and back to the game that I was just watching, I just looked over my notes again and yeah, like there was one time where he had a really nice, like the defensive scrambling, really nice defensive rotation to contest a shot. Really awesome. And then like a few plays later, he didn't see like a weak, the guy on the weak side and he gave up a layup. So I, I still just want to see more consistency from him there. And maybe that was just a bad game there. But I, I do think that has shown in several games this year that I've watched. One more thing I actually wanted to bring up on his offense, though, that we didn't touch on um, that I actually like a lot about his games. I think his his cutting yeah. and and he times his cuts so well with with a driver when the defense looks their head the other way. I, I really, really like his timing on off ball on off ball cuts. Yeah, that's what see exactly. So yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up too. Also, I just have to smile. Uh De'Aaron Fox just got named as an all-star replacement, which makes me very happy because he deserved it. He's been awesome this year. Um, shout out our guy. But uh yeah, it, that's what is so fascinating too, because I tweeted about this the other day. Like his cut his cutting really hits even in a system where it doesn't feel like it should as much and i do think like there are times where i think he cuts the like at inopportune times but like part of that too is also just again overall spacing and everything but like you mentioned like his like just like i think that he's a guy who can score like five six points a game just off of being really active playing alongside a, a, a good playmaker um and moving off the ball like that's valuable stuff yeah i agree so do you have anything else you want to touch on with him or or um i guess bringing him obviously he's a different player i mean all three of the guys that we've talked about are different players but where do you stand on him compared to the anthony black brandon miller discussion that we just had about who you would bet on yeah um i i what sorry can you repeat that yeah no like so we talked about brandon miller anthony black who you bet on um even with like this the difference in playmaking all that kind of stuff ken whitmore is obviously they're all different players but where where would you put him i guess in relative to the other two is there some like are you more confident in him than you are in brandon miller anthony black or i think oh let's see that's tough i think that i would have whitmore over both right now um to be honest, but I also think it's kind of team dependent. Like, because so what's tough is like I feel like Brandon in the right system could just be unreal. Um, like I like again, I don't think that he's gonna be a 45% three-point shooter for like all time, right? But I really believe in what he's doing off movement as a as an actual pull-up threat, as a spot-up guy. And it's like I honestly think like I, I would have some reservations about what it means for their overall build. But, like, can you imagine Brandon Miller playing in Indiana? Like, that would – like, I – again, like, I would have some overall questions and stuff. But, like, it's the same idea of, I think, what it's done for for Benedict. Like, I would trust them to, like, be like, okay, we really view what you can do as an off-ball mover with your shooting gravity alongside guys who are playing kind of, like, transition in the half court, using him as a screener, doing stuff to get him, you know, second side pick-and-roll opportunities, like – I think you could view that and be like, okay, in two or three years, how is that hitting? What does that look like? Those are simpler reads. Like we've already, like, like I, I man. think it's really intriguing. Him and Matherin in Indiana together was intriguing. Obviously there's some questions. And I think mm-hmm. like, if you're saying like using him in the Matherin role, like Matherin's obviously a better job at attacking the basket um, compared to Brandon Miller. 
but yeah, no, I think that would be really, really fun. Um, for me, I would have Cam over Anthony Black. I think him and Brandon Miller, I'm probably up in the air on. I'm not sure which way I'd go right now. That probably will come down to, um, I, I feel pretty comfortable with how I view like Brandon Miller right now. I think I'm still trying to figure out a little bit more of where I am with Cam Whitmore. So I think it just comes down to me just watching a couple more games of Cam Whitmore, see how he finishes the year off. Um, but yeah, no, I think we can move on to to Grady Dick if you want now. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, I am this this draft last one. But yeah, let's talk about Grady Dick, uh, who Kansas has, the let's just the Big 12 has been kind of wild this year. Feels like every single game is a is a ranked top 20 game, um, <laughs> which has been fun, but also like there are just some like Kansas State randomly beating the shit out of Kansas the one night where I think they were like up 15 the entire game pretty much. Like it feels like we get one of those a week. So that's been fun. Where are you at with Grady Dick right now? I like him. I Grady Dick's someone where like I really enjoy watching him play. I think he's a really, really good player in terms of where I am with him as a prospect. I think he's a good prospect to be fair. Not a hundred percent sure how high I'd actually feel comfortable taking him at the moment. I still think there are some, like, I feel like he's one of those, like, Oh, he's a really, really good shooter, a good off ball player. Um, one of those safer kind of offensive bets and in, in that kind of role, but I'm not entirely sure where I, I view. See, it's tough. Cause with, with all my other, like, you know, I've, I've liked these big wing shooters with Cam Johnson, Corey Kisper and all these guys where, I'm like, okay, well, they might not have like the most kind of upside that you view, but being an elite shooter is pretty, that's a lot of upside in itself. And and being an elite shooter opens so much up for your offense to where I don't want to say, I don't think Grady Dick has much upside because I think, like I said, an elite shooter does bring a lot of upside to a team, but I, I I do wonder like how high you how high I'd be comfortable taking him. I, I think he's a lottery guy for sure. I'm not sure I get much higher. I wouldn't say for sure, but definitely like I think back end lottery for me makes sense with him. Um, but but yeah, really good off ball mover, really really good shooter. I think the one thing with him is he all of his shots like are created for him he doesn't do a great job of and I think he showed it a little bit early in the year but like he was able to attack off the dribble a little bit more early in the year but recently I feel like it's just all off of cuts um and and all of his like shots off the dribble are all like one or two dribble attack closeouts get to your spot and pull up for two it's not really oh he's creating this for himself um which to be fair like he still couldn't hit a dribble pull up but it's more of like okay someone else drove picked it out to him the defense is scrambling or in rotation and he attacks that but He's just such a good shooter, has good size, um, still a good off-ball player with the cutting and just understanding of spacing on offense. But but yeah, that's sort of how I view him. Where where do you view his upside, I guess? Yeah, I think uh what's so part of what's been tough about him in big big 12 play, not that he's been bad, but like you mentioned, I think you kind of see his limitations right now more. In Big 12 play. So just for reference, since the start of January, it's only shooting 39% from the field. And a lot of that, like, yes, his three-point percentage is dipped, but also like he just isn't getting to the rim a ton. And I think that has been a bit of a hindrance because like exactly like you mentioned, I don't think that the um I don't think that his handles like terrible, 
but I also like, I mean, it, it is a clear limitation. I think bringing up Cam Johnson is a really good point. Um, and so, yeah, I, where am I at with him? I, I think one thing that's helped with big 12 play too, is that I think his defense has looked a little bit better. Like I always felt that it was getting a little bit overblown early on in the year. Like um, it was a big uh, shift going from where he was at at sunrise to what he was asked to do in Kansas. Like, yes, he was over aggressive, but I've always felt his hands are really good. I think he's been better at staying in front of people uh, since the turn of the year. It's still not perfect, but like, I think going, you know, being talked about as like this defensive sieve. I, I don't think that we're in that territory anymore. Um, so that has been a positive for sure. Um, but yeah, like overall, like I, I think what you're saying is, is kind of what rings out with me. Like I view him as a lottery guy, but I would probably struggle to take him very high right now, just because I, I don't know what I view with him in terms of upside, like, and maybe I'm being unfair, but Right now, I like I feel like I, it's easy to feel good about what the floor is, but I also am not entirely sure that I feel like there's a ton more there ceiling wise. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I I think the problem is is yeah, like I, I actually do think he does a good job with his pump fakes as well. Like like I said, when he dribbles off like one two dribble pull up off the catch, is he does a good job with his pump fakes and his jabs to get to his spots as well. I do think that is part of his game, but yeah, I, I, I find it unlikely that he'll ever create shots for himself consistently at the next level. It's more people going to be creating for him, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But you either have to be in a, like, not you have to be, but to make up for that from an upside case is okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. But you have to be an elite shooter with, with shot versatility off movement, spotting up, good range which he can do to be fair like that's probably i think a more likely path for him to become a really good player and then also hold up defensively which i think is up in the air with him i don't think he is some huge liability i think you and i have been more or less on the same page with this where early on the first game was impressive where how active he was but he did show some flaws with over helping and getting back cut but mm-hmm. you were i was like okay i mean if he's going to get these disruptions and steals you'll live with a back cut here and there but i think over the next five six games he wasn't really getting those like deflections and everything and just the defense looked pretty rough and now you're seeing it starting to turn in the right direction off ball i think on ball um he does have hands for strips and i think he moves his feet all right to where like he'll beat someone to their spot and like draw a charge pretty much but i do think that teams will still try to to, to attack him on the perimeter whether it's try to like drive through him or all this kind of stuff where i think there is still a, a question to be had so yeah, I think for him, the, the the case to being a really good player is, yeah, become an elite shooter. How do you feel about his off-movement shots? Um, for me personally, is I, I think, I mean, I, I think him, Jet, Brandon Miller, they're all very capable off-movement shooters. I just think they do it in a different, like a variety of ways. I don't think Grady, Dick... Um, I think he has to get set more than the other two. Although I do think he has a high release. I think, I mean, sort of his jet. Um, I think he has a high release and I think he gets rid of it somewhat quickly as well to where um, if he gets his feet set, it's not the biggest problem, but I do think he needs to be set more than the other two. Yeah. I think like 
I don't know if you're if this is necessarily the same point that you're trying to make, but I think I'm in the like his shot is really fast, like you mentioned, but I think his shot crap is kind of slow. Like it takes him a little bit. Like he needs to like exactly like you're mentioning. Like Jet and Brandon Miller can get stuff off. Like it always feels like they're on balance. And it's not that great. He's never on balance, but like it does like you you notice him having to really set to get stuff off. So I'd agree. I think it's like more lifting stuff from him. It's not that he can't do it off movement, but I think it's not the it's not quite at the other level as the other two, but the catch yeah, and shoot for, stuff for me, is like yeah. ridiculously good. For me, I wouldn't say necessarily bad shot prep. Yeah, no, I'm not um, saying it's bad. I just think it's generally like it is a little bit slower for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think for me, it's it's more like he isn't as comfortable as like turning into his shots as the other two. Is is probably mm-hmm. what I'd say. Um, but he also is a better shooter than jet i think um although like i think jet off movement stuff is better i would say like catch and shoot guy i'm taking grady over jet um but yeah it's interesting to view how those three like go up against each other in the different ways of shooting um but yeah i I think that's interesting and the one thing i wanted to bring up which i I tweeted the other day is the, the the wild grady dick shooting splits with his shot chart is right now he is shooting 50.5 percent 46 for 91 on above the break threes which is absolutely unreal um but (laughs) he's somehow shooting 25.6 percent 11 for 43 in the corners it's 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 a ridiculous difference i think most of it is probably just some small sample size to be honest um and I would expect the, I don't think he's going to be a 50% shooter above the break for his whole career. So I expect that to come down in the corners to go up and the difference won't be as, as big, but I, I went back and watched all of his corner three or all of his threes to try to feel the difference. And I think on the corner ones, he's not, I, I think the percentage being so low is just small sample size, but just when you're looking at his corner percentages compared to others, I think his shots that he's getting in the corners he gets a lot of like off movement shots out of baseline out of bounds plays or, or even out of half court sets. He has a lot of sh- movement shots in the corner, which aren't easy because you have such little space in the corner to get your feet set as well. So you don't want to step out of bounds. So like you're worrying about other factors. I think that might play a different or might play a part in the percentages being low, but he, and he's more than capable of hitting off movement shots like we just talked about. But yeah, I, I think the, having more off movement shots in the corner than other people for, and a small sample size has something to do with it. But I just found that stat pretty interesting because there is a big difference between it's above the break and corner percentages. No, it definitely stands out. Like it's kind of jarring to look at his shot chart, especially with that tweet that you sent out. It is kind of like, well, that's interesting. So I don't think I have more on, on Grady where is there anything else you wanted to touch on Mm, well i one thing i did want to ask do you think part of the not that he's been like bad finishing at the rim but do you think part of his finishing stuff has been how much sauce he tries to put on his layups all the time because i do i like it is something i genuinely wonder about like he always tries to use the basket to protect himself but i think that sort of speaks to his just how he gets the shots to the rim though to be honest like And I don't think he's unnecessarily doing it often. I think it's just how he's the 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 attempts that he has to take at the rim just because of how he gets to the rim. I think is is probably how I'd say so. Yeah. No. And I probably I probably overvalued 
or gave him too much credit for his finishing early on in the year. I think he has good touch around the basket. Um, but yeah, I do think it's always tough shots around the basket as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think I'm in the, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Cause especially yeah. like the first two games, like he had some wild finishes around the rim. It was like, oh, this is a, yeah, which I still think he has those wild finishes now, but it's more of, okay, now that we're at this, ones. now that we're at this large of a sample size, cool. Those tough finishes are nice. Get me some easy finishes, please. Um, yeah. Because those are important as well. Those are easier. All that matters. So I probably overvalued that a little bit early on, but that's a good thing about having a long season. You can always adjust your opinion and we still have several months until the draft. So still plenty of time to adjust any opinions that you have, but that's where I'm at with him right now. And I guess last thing is same question after every other guy, where do you think about he compares to the other three that we've talked about now? Right? So we, we said, I think we both agreed. Anthony black was behind cam and Brandon Miller. Um, where do you throw Grady into that? I think I would have Ant over Grady Dick. Yeah, I, I would. So yeah, so I I I, I paired Brandon and, and Cam Whitmore together, and I'm probably going to do the same with Grady and Anthony Black. Um, I think for me, it mostly comes down to where I will end up feeling on Anthony Black's offense and how I think it translates to the next level. If I continue to have that concern while I'm like, oh, Grady Dick can be this elite shooter, maybe I'll prefer Grady Dick. Um, but if I can just be optimistic enough about Anthony Black's offense to where it's not going to be a negative, I like how much more he brings to the floor. And uh, he he can be a really, really good player. I, I think they're all really good prospects, though, for sure. Um, but yeah, Grady Dick to me, more back end lotto. Honestly, I wouldn't be too surprised if he slips outside the lottery, but top 20 for sure most likely in like that 12 to 16 range for me but I, I that's just off the top of my head I haven't like actually made that list right in front of me right now yeah no I think I'm in the same same area with that um I'm probably yeah I I've seen some like top 10 buzz for him and I'm I'm not there um I wouldn't like hold it against somebody if they were but I'd be a lot more with where it's at right now I'd be a lot more interested in betting on Ant Black um i guess you know it depends on the team of course i always have to throw that caveat on but uh yeah um i know you wanted to shout out a couple guys before we get done with the pot obviously you just wrote a piece on them over at cerebro so so give us give us the lowdown yeah so i just wrote about tristan da silva and kobe johnson um check it out over on cerebro it's on their sub stack it's on my twitter it's pinned to the top so check it out please um but but yeah, Kobe Johnson and Tristan Estella give a quick summary. I think they're two really underrated Pac-12 prospects this year. Um, Tristan Estella, the funny thing is they're actually both younger brothers of players who played in college recently. Tristan Silva is Oscar Silva's younger brother, and Kobe Johnson is Jalen Johnson's younger brother. But but Tristan Silva has been one of the most like improved and impressive players I think I've seen recently. Um, uh, like a little bit over a month ago or about a month ago he had like a 30 point game versus Oregon and ever since that game he has just been lights out I think over the last um I don't want to I think it's over the last nine or over the last 10 he's like 50 yeah over the last 10 games 55 percent from three um so that's obviously not going to stay up but the the intrigue with him is listed at six nine he has some perimeter skills, really good shooter. Um, 
how I'd use him at the NBA level is you're probably just having him spot up on the perimeter um, space to four for your stars or whatever. But if a team wants to be like, oh, we have a bad guard defender, let's just hide him on him. Or oh, we have a big guy, we just want to hide him on him and let him roam. He should be able to take advantage of that. And, and he has really good footwork and, and he can finish with both hands. He, If you have a small guy on him, he will take you into the post and score on you, whether it's spin baseline or a hook shot with either hand, whatever it is, he has good footwork. So that's what I like about him, his ability to attack mismatches if given the opportunity to. And if not, he can space the floor on offense. And on the defensive end, um, really smart player who has, I don't know his wingspan, but he does a good job using his length. And then for Kobe Johnson, he, I think, is one of the highest field players in this class. Just really incredibly smart I guess one more thing about Tristan Silva is probably the, the concern about him is he's actually a little bit of an underwhelming athlete um, and his ability to who uh, get to the basket. He uses pump fakes and and, and jabs and, and his footwork a lot. Um, and who knows that will translate, but, but to Kobe Johnson, really, really high field player. He is just an incredibly smart off ball defender with good on ball defense as well. The, the questions with him come on the offensive end with his scoring. I think that he's actually an incredible off-ball cutter as well. goes back to his feel. His shot, he started off struggling shooting this year, but over the last 15 or so games, maybe even 20 games now, um, he's shooting like 43% from three, so the shot's looking better, albeit on limited volume. But yeah, that's a quick rundown on them. I would just say go read the piece to get more in-depth on them. Um, but I do think that both of these guys are worth taking a look at in the draft. Um, if they do come out this year, I definitely would want to get them into like into my team and, and, and see how they go. Well, I'm interested to catch up on more on them. I uh, I have not watched Colorado this year uh, because our our pod favorite Evan Batty doesn't play there anymore. So <laughs> why would I watch them? No, just kidding. I have been slammed, so I haven't caught up as much with the Pac-12, especially too because like. I don't even get Pac-12 Network anymore. It's yeah. Pac-12 Network can kiss my ass. Uh, it, it is like the absolute worst. Uh, Zach doesn't co-sign this. I already know he doesn't want to. But um, yeah, Zach, do you have any other parting shots before we get out of here? I do not. Um, I, I guess that one more time I'll say is please tune in, check out our playback. It definitely helps us both out. Um, and it's just a fun time as well. Yeah, no, I agree. We We always have a blast. We will be back tomorrow with it so be there um to everyone listening thank you for listening of course rate and review the show uh follow zach and i on twitter i'll have more stuff in the bio down below and thank you for listening